You are listening to the Sensible Project Manager Podcast, Episode 20. Today's topic, Being Agile in a Waterfall World, the book. Welcome to the Sensible Project Manager Podcast at SensiblePM.com, where you get an insider's edge on practical project management. Now, here is your host, Mark Phillippe. Welcome to the Sensible Project Manager Podcast. My name is Mark Phillippe, and I am the Sensible Project Manager. Today, I bring to you a conversation I had with Joseph Flayhiff. Now, you might have heard that name before, because I have had him on the show before, on Episode 7, if you want to go back and listen to that. And uh, this conversation we actually had on the PM Hangout number 39, which is uh, the Hangouts, if you haven't heard that as well, Go to the Sensible Project Manager Hangout community on Google+. You can join the community there, and there you will be able to hear from time to time on a fairly regular basis conversations that I have with different uh, people in the industry. So, as I said, this is the second time we've had Joseph on the show. Today I brought him back on the show because I wanted to discuss the book that he just completed, Being Agile in a Waterfall World. This topic is really interesting to me because I believe that for the most part, this is how Agile is implemented in corporate world today. In some cases, organizations have implemented Agile in in its entirety and the whole organization works that way. But most implementations of Agile is some kind of a mix of Agile and traditional project management. In fact, for the past year, I have been working on an Agile team in the exact environment that Joseph is discussing about in the book. So I think that this is a very practical approach for understanding Agile and how that works in corporate world today. So here we go. And now, today's feature. Joseph, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about what you're up to lately. Sure. Hi, my name is uh, Joseph Lahiff. And I'm like uh, just written the book. That's just mostly what I've been doing recently. Uh, I spent a lot of time recently over the over the summer uh, getting the book together and, and slamming it, slamming it down. So that's been an exciting thing I've been doing. Um, that's that's really what I've been up to. I've been working with the PMI Agile Community of Practice as well, and out coaching and speaking and teaching online classes and offline classes. And so. That's that's what I do. All right, so let's let's get to things. So, we, as I said, our topic today is being agile in a waterfall world. And uh, first of all, let me just set this up with something that uh, that has been happening in my life. Of because, of course, Joseph, it's always about me, right? And <laughs> I, <laughs> your show, so, Mark, is always about you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks. That's that's the that's the blessing that I get of being able to to, to do this. Uh, so I've been a certified project uh, a scrum master since 2007, and uh, I think I've I've written before on my blog about this, and I've even talked a little bit about this before. I went into agile. My foray into agile was um, almost kicking and screaming. So, the, <laughs> so. I think it was in uh, 2000 and, oh, I don't know. I think it must have been 2006. Yeah. The company I was working for, 
we were just starting, or, or at least a couple of people were just starting to dip into Scrum and bringing Agile into the workplace. And I decided, wow, this this is interesting, but I'm going to sit back and kind of watch a little bit and see how it goes. And, uh, you know, I, I usually don't do too bad on change, but this was a pretty big change for me, and I wasn't quite quite ready for that. So I decided I was going to sit and watch watch it happen and see how it worked. Uh, I then, uh, shortly after that, I ended up changing um, employers. And uh, and when I was there in 2007, we ended up uh, deciding to start doing Agile at that location and dove in feet first uh, at the prompting of my manager. Uh, or in other words, it was, you better do it or else we're going to find somebody else. Uh, and so, of course, I went to the training, got, I really then began to understand what Agile was about. And I fell in love with it. And for a year, I was able to uh, work as a scrum master along with some other responsibilities I had. But I, I had a, a one or two scrum teams that I was, I was leading as a scrum master. And then... I haven't been in my everyday work. I haven't been able to do that, uh, do anything with Scrum until about uh, the beginning of this year. And I, my projects were winding down, and uh, I, I lit out that I was a Scrum master, and I was wanting to get back into it again. And uh, I have now, since the beginning of the year, started to work as a product owner, which is was new to me. So. Yeah. Uh, I never thought of myself as one that would be in that kind of a role, but I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Hmm. But there has been some challenges as we go along, and that's why this discussion uh, and all of those challenges, some of it is is kind of bringing up, a, a starting up new Agile or Scrum teams, but most of the, the issues that we've had is the marrying of of Agile with Waterfall. And that's why your book just fits right into that. So awesome. let's let's talk, first of all, the things that I have seen that are challenges is, let's just start at the, the, very, the very highest level. Uh, probably the biggest thing for me is just getting past the different language. Let's just start there. Yeah. Language. So, so let's start there. Then take take us into maybe a little bit more about your thought process on on sure. how you, you you got to write the book. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a really exciting topic because so many people are doing that, mixing agile and waterfall practices together in the same organization, uh, and and it's there's a big struggle with it. Uh, and exactly what you said is is one of the biggest things. Language, right? Understanding what language is, and my my estimation, so my my experience was sort of like yours on the timing, in that I um, became a certified Scrum Master in '06, so a year earlier. But um, but I never left it. I dove in and kept going and, and applied it to everything I did, and and went on from there to become a. Uh, Uber Scrum master over many teams, and then a, a an agile coach now, and writing a book and all that now. So, uh, but but language is such an important part of it, and I think uh, that 
one of the thing, one of the worst things that agilists do is that we're sloppy with our language, and particularly using the word agile. And I try to be try to be very careful about how I use the word. I use the word agile to mean one thing. It means one thing and one thing only. It means the word nimble. Right. So you should, whenever I'm talking, I hope. But I've got years of of not doing this appropriately, you know. But recently, I've within the past year and a half or so, when I've been writing the book, I've been going to be very accurate about this. Agile is a synonym for nimble. Now think about that. If, if you were to go, and, and I, I challenge people on this call, if you were to go into work for the next week, right, start Monday or something, and replace the word agile in every sentence that you ever want to say it, say the word nimble instead. I will virtually guarantee you that you will find yourself you saying something other than nimble because you didn't mean nimble. You meant something else. But you are using the word agile, and often the word agile is not, it doesn't work when you substitute nimble because agile is actually an adjective, but we use it like a noun. Yes. We are going to do agile. You can't do an adjective, right? <laughs> happy is an adjective. Show me how you do happy. Uh, yeah, I try to be ha be happy. Be happy. I can do things that make me happy. But I can't do happy, right? You, similarly, you can't do agile. You can be agile, that is, nimble, able to change as fast as you need to, or as I, I say in the book, able to change as fast or faster than changes that are happening within your business context. So if you are able to change as fast or faster than the changes that are happening in your business context, you are, by definition, agile. Not doing Scrum? Don't care. Not doing XP doesn't matter to me. If you're able to change as fast or faster than the changes that are happening in your context, you're agile. Period. Now, there's other things that people mean when they say agile, right? They they mean um, 21st century management practices, right? So things like respecting people, right? Things like servant leadership, right? Things like like Trusting that uh, decisions made by the team are going to be at least as good, if not better, than the decisions that would be made by management. Right? These these are 21st century management practices. In and of themselves, they are not not agile. There's nothing about servant leadership that says you need to be changing quickly or changing as fast or faster than the changes in your context. Nothing. But it is something that's gotten attached to agile because it's good business practice, and it helps you become agile if you're not currently agile. Right? If, you are current, if you are not agile right now and you want to become able to change more quickly, yeah, servant leadership helps. Yeah, distributed decision-making models help, right? But they are in and of themselves not agile. Second thing, or the third thing that people mean when they say agile, nimble 21st century management practices. Third thing that, that, um, that they mean are Agile enabling practices, so things like working iteratively, doing loosely coupled modules of, of whatever it is that you're building. And I, I don't talk about software in the book other than one part of one chapter, right? I'm talking about business agility. I'm talking about organizations being able to change quickly so that they don't get eaten by the other company coming in and 
that is able to change more quickly, right? So loosely coupled systems with clearly defined interfaces. If you have that, then you're, you're able to make changes in one system and, and not affect the other very much. That allows you to be agile. That's an agile enabling practice, right? So there's, those are three. The fourth one is the agile movement, right? So that's the agile manifesto. That's things, <clears throat> good things like um, saying that, you know, product owners like yourself, if we have a dedicated product owner, then that, that's something that the Agile movement has insisted upon. Um, you, you might find that overlapping with good 21st century management practices, but maybe not. But I, I can tell you, as a, I did traditional projects for you know, 15 years before I, did before I did Agile projects. And I can tell you, if I had had dedicated access to my uh, product owners, my, my sponsors, business sponsors, yeah, my projects would have gone better. <laughs> of course they would, right? But we didn't insist on it. We, project managers, we failed, I would say. We did not insist on we have to have that person, and the Agile movement did. And so that's, that's the fourth thing that they mean is the Agile movement. So think, think about it next time you're speaking and think to yourself, am I really meaning Agile, or do I really mean 21st century management? Practice. Do I really mean, um, you know, agile enabling practices? These things that make me able to be nimble, but they aren't necessarily nimble by themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's interesting um, from the high level point of view of of just understanding agile and what it's about. Yeah. Let's let's drill a little bit more into the language and specifically what I'm wondering about. The things that I've noticed that we've had problems with, we have in our environment, we have our uh, our Scrum teams or our our Agile teams, and we also have waterfall projects. Sometimes those waterfall projects are using Agile teams as part of the delivery for pieces, and yeah. that and and so the challenges that we've had. There's, there's many, many challenges. But one of the challenges is the education of the waterfall teams on what these agile words are. Things like iterations, uh, what a, a, a sprint is. You know, all of those kinds of things that if you begin living in the agile world, that becomes so easy and just normal nomenclature that are completely... Uh, completely foreign to a waterfall team. Yeah. And, it's, and it's as simple as just those languages, understanding those things. So the question I have for you is, uh, what, what do you see that we need to do as we are marrying the two to help that, just breaking that language barrier? I, I, think, I think it needs to happen on both sides. Um, and I tend to not use the word waterfall much. I don't like it. Um, it's a pejorative term that was developed by agilists. So sequential, traditional means waterfall. People on the, on the traditional side need to learn what's going on in the agile world. It's just it's part of the job of, of being a project manager now. It, it's not going away. 
It's, it's a different way of delivering, and it is perfectly valid in particular contexts. It actually doesn't make sense in some other contexts, and we shouldn't be doing it, right? Agreed. On, on the other side, so, so they need to learn some of the, the things that are going on, and that's actually a lot of the people that this book was written toward. Um, on the other side, on the, on the Agilist side, stop it. Start using English, and and that's why I I say stop using words like agile to mean four different things, right? You and I know what we're talking about when we when we use this word this way because we have the context that we're talking within. But when we're talking to somebody else who doesn't know what we're saying, you, you just need to be much more descriptive in what you're talking about. Let people know. You know, we've given new names to things that had names already, like retrospectives. Right. This is a lessons learned happening mid project. Right. That's right. Yeah. It's exactly. It's the same thing. It, it sort of. Yeah. The difference. The the mild difference is that we actually are able to do something. Right. And therefore, because it, it's shorter term. Well, it's it's midterm. Yeah. Right. Lessons lessons learned. We're at the end. Right. Post mortem. We're going to do an autopsy and examine the dead body. Right. The, we're mid project. I. The problem with lessons learned is is all of the lessons are either uh, project specific, task specific, or technology specific for that particular project, and they're happening at the end of the project. Well, the project team has disbanded. The the sorry, team specific, project specific, and and uh, technology. The, the the team has disbanded. The project is over, and you've implemented the technology. There's no lesson to learn here, or there's general ones that are. You know, communication was a problem, or resources people were hard to get, or things like that. If you do that in a retrospective, then you're able to actually take action, right, and do something about it. Well, I, I, I have a little bit of exception to that, because and this actually goes to the point of, of breaking down the barriers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that depending on how a lessons learned is done, there's nothing that says that a lesson learned is done at the end of a project, right? In traditional matter, it, it traditionally, I, right? The postmortem. I, well, I've I've seen I've seen a lessons learned done, for instance, at the end of a, each phase. Yeah. So so that really is, although it's way longer than an, in an agile environment, it's still breaking it down. Lessons learned can be done. When, with whatever window you want to pick, uh, absolutely, absolutely, and and that's what that's what agilists call retrospectives, right? E- so, exactly. Yes. Again, with the difference of you're not just learning the lesson and saying we learned it. A retrospective, you, I, I believe, a lesson is only learned when you change your behavior, right? I completely agree. And yes. in a in a retrospective, you actually get to learn the lesson because you have the opportunity to change your behavior. Right. So yeah, we, we need to get much more articulate about the way we speak about things, and 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 I think we need to break down some barriers of animosity that used to be there, and I, I see it coming down more and more. Um, there there has been in the past a lot of you know agile versus waterfall articles and blog posts. I still see them, and they they tire me. I used to actually answer them with this kind of conversation of, of trying to be a peacemaker, but those articles are written by people who don't want to make peace. Right? They're just written by people who want to 
venom. Yeah, you know, one of the things I really like your approach, what you're talking about, is, um, and I completely agree, there are some projects should be done waterfall, some projects should be done agile, some could be a mix. And um, sometimes people, and I'm sorry on the, on the, on the agile side of things, they are almost acting like prima dominas and um, thinking that theirs is the best path. I love agile, uh, but I also think that for the most part, we are going to be living with a mixed field. Yeah. And uh, we need to be able to, as you say, remove those barriers and uh, let's play together. Yeah. Uh, some of the, the things that I do in the book are trying to get at that. Um, I, I introduced a couple of, of top of, of ideas, of, con of new concepts. Um, one of them is the concept of a nested agility. So two different agilities nested within one another within a project, um, as well as the, the idea of an agility horizon. And I don't, I, people have kind of had the idea, but I, I haven't heard it well articulated, and so I, I, I introduced the idea. And the idea is, is in software development, which is the easy one to talk about because that's where everybody does, does agile. That's where everybody uses agile processes the most. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's actually very hard to speak this way and try it, it's, you know, where you're using agile as an adjective all the time. Um, I, like I said, I got my, PM, my, I got my, uh, my certified scrum master in 2006, and until just a couple years ago, I was always using it as, as a noun. Yeah, you were doing Agile, right? Yeah, yeah. So an Agility Horizon is, so in, in software, software is great because software is this totally open field. You can, you can make something in an hour, and it's done, you know, in, in a lot of cases, right? When you wrote your first little application, boom, it's done. Woohoo, that's so cool, you know? Or, or maybe a day or two days, or maybe it's a week, right? Or right. Right, the, the, the most common um, iteration length or sprint length right now is two weeks. And that was a study done by Rally showed that. You know, really, the most common is, is two weeks. And, and that's because software, that gives you enough time to create a pretty decent chunk of something and, and have it actually get done done. And, and software is cool because you can go into it in different places and, you know, you can change things here and not worry about changing things over there. It's very cool. But software is able to make those quick changes. If I am, if I am building uh, a, we're, you know, we're both from the Washington area. If I'm Boeing uh, and I'm building a, a new airliner and, and you want to buy the airliner, okay? So you, you buy the airliner from me and we sign the paper and says, okay, great. I will have it for you in five years because it's the new models. We have to rev the whole thing up, but you're my first new customer. Five years. You signed this paper, right? Okay, that's what you're going to buy? Good. Okay. If I deliver you this, this airliner five years later and you get in it, it's like, ooh, beautiful, shiny, new. Look at that. Ooh, the flight guidance system. Wait, that thing is five years old. <laughs> that, that technology has been gone five years ago. Why, why did you give me a plane with this five-year-old technology? Well, wait, you signed this paper. It said flight guidance system, and it, we had to keep it, right? No. Of course they're agile, right? They are going to change and release the, the most current thing. But what you've got is you've got varying 
agility there, the, the, the um, agility horizon for a flight for the airplane is, you know, maybe five years for the fuselage technology, right? right? To develop the next one is going to take another five years and to prototype it and all that. It's going to take you a long time. The, the agility horizon for the flight guidance system, the hardware for the flight guidance system, maybe six months, maybe a year, probably, right? So the, that system would probably come out on an annual basis. The software inside that flight guidance system probably is a three-month cycle. So here you've got three different levels of, of agility nested within one another on the same project. You know, I, intuitively, I've I've known that, but I've never thought of it that way. That's a great great analogy. That's a great way of not even analogy. That's that's a great way to, to think about it. Yeah. So different different products have different agility horizons, right? That was nested agility and agility horizons. So, but but you may be developing refrigerators. And the agility horizon for refrigerator technology may be three months. So if, and that, you know, that's how quickly changes are going to come in the technology or, or new innovations are going to come. And so that's what, how quickly your iterations need to happen. So it may be that in the refrigerator development industry, your sprint length is three months. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's conceivable. Now, sure. you you may say, okay, let's let's make them one month. Even though we won't have a new technology, we can still deliver something useful, and we can make. And that's entirely valid as well. Um, I think having smaller than your absolute edge, right, is actually hugely valuable because then you're actually able to see progress as you're going forward. But I want to get people away from the idea that you have to have a two week or one week or one month iteration. You know. Iterations are just a way of releasing chunks of working products, whatever your product happens to be. I can think of an, another example of that in the construction industry. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you don't have to have the plans for a house. You have to have the plans for the house done before you start building, but you don't have to have every detail of the house done. You don't need to know the color of the rooms or the, the the carpet. You can build all of those things and then choose the carpet and the colors later on. So there's and, a agility at that level. Yeah, and you often don't know those things, especially in – so the, the stuff I did before I became a scrum master, largely construction. I was the IT guy for construction uh, projects at the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center for about seven years. Uh, and, and, yeah, you start those projects, you've got the blueprints, you know what you're building, you definitely have the foundation really well laid out, you know exactly what you're doing and how much, how many, you know, pounds of, tons of concrete you're going to need for all that and steel. And, but, you know, the what, what color are the walls going to be and the, the chairs or the desktops up on the 17th floor? I don't know. We don't, we don't need to know that yet. We'll figure that out as we get further in. Right. That's kind of the rolling wave approach. Right, and, and actually in uh, PMI, the, the PMBOK, it actually talks about the rolling wave approach yeah. as well. Yeah. Definitely. All right, let's, let's uh, go again back to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> something that, uh, another thing that I've noticed that is different between the waterfall and, and, and the marrying of the two, or traditional and agile, 
Thank you. Uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning. It's uh, the level of focus that a, that each of the teams can have. Uh, often in a traditional uh, project management environment, just because of the, the structure of the, um, the resources, you might have a, a resource working on four or five different projects and they're being pulled in as you go. Yeah. And the, on the opposite side, if, if you're fil- filing one of the concepts of Agile is that you want to be able to focus the team. And then marrying those two, um, I, I'm going to look up the right, diametrically opposed positions sometimes causes problems. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, it definitely can. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. In the book, the, the last chapter is a, a, a very quick introduction of uh, five things that I would do I was dropped onto a waterfall project. You know, somebody said, "Hey, Joseph, we're going to hire you, and we're going to pay you enough to make it worth your while." Because I wouldn't do a waterfall traditional project if you didn't. Pay. <laughs> 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 no, I actually, might, actually, now that I think about it, just to do this stuff, because because these are the five things that I would do if, if I was dropped onto a project. Um, the very first thing I would do is be me, and and my approach to Leading a project is a servant leadership approach, and I, I that falls under the moniker of 21st century management practices. Personally, think every project, and I mean every project. I don't care if it's construction, building. You know, if you're building a bridge or a building or software, right? Leaders need to get away from this idea of a command. I am the commander of this whole thing, and you need to take the vision of being a servant, right? That does not mean that you lose. People are afraid when they hear the servant leadership idea, just the word. It's like, but I'm a leader, right? I have worked my entire career to get to this point where I'm going to guide this group. And, yeah, you still do that, right? You still guide and you still lead, but it's from a position of, as a leader, <clears throat> my job is to set the vision, right? Where where are we going? And to give you parameters to work within, right? So my my the analogy I, I like to use is Martin Luther King, right? Think about the "I Have a Dream" speech. He talks okay. in there. He talks in there about I, having a dream, right? This is the vision of one day this nation living up to its creed that all men are created equal. That's the vision, right? That's the high level. Everyone can see that. Yep. If what I'm doing aligns with that, then I'm on the right track. The other thing he did was set parameters. Nonviolent civil disobedience. If you are not nonviolent, you are not part of this movement. And that was very clear, right? But did he sit, did he go around and, and tell the people in Minneapolis, hey, you know, arrange this march on... October 5th, and you guys over here in Detroit, you do, uh, you know, a, a sit-in on November 29th. No! Right? He trusted the people were able to do the things that they needed to do within the parameters that he gave to move the cause forward. And, and this is the idea that, you know, leaders on projects, you still set the vision, and you still set parameters, 
but you allow then the freedom within that for the people who are doing the work to do excellent work and they will always surprise you. I, I'm constantly surprised. You know, I couldn't agree with you anymore. That is, um, that's actually one of the kicks that I'm on lately is believing that if you paint the picture of the vision of where you want to go, uh, just naturally, the project teams, whether it's traditional or, or scrum, I don't really care. If you paint that picture and they get that vision behind them, they're going to do amazing things. Yeah, yeah, that's totally. So that, And then so the, the four, five things, right? Servant leadership. The second one is teamwork, and that's what my talk is on uh, on Monday at the Global Congress, but it's, you know, building up teams, creating a, a context where it's safe to trust and, and focus and all the things that make a great team. But, you know, focusing on teamwork, which is exactly what you're saying, right? That there's this difference in focus on traditional projects versus uh, agile work. And, and it, it, a lot of it comes down to how we treat the people on the projects, right? How how we treat, how we help them build relationships within their organization so that they do care about each other and can do fantastic work. And I think if, if even if it's a traditional project, you can still focus on those aspects of building a great team and, and bonding them together to move forward to create something fantastic. So here's here's a perfect example where I think that. Um, things that are in a traditional waterfall, in traditional project, and I've used this before in a traditional project, along the team teamwork point of view, is I'll have a daily stand-up yep. in, a, in, a, in a traditional project. Yeah. And that helps with the teamwork, helps the team gel, and helps with communication. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's the whole point of the daily stand-up, is it? it's not a not a status meeting for the project manager. It's a coordination meeting between the, the people, and it builds relationships. Another, another huge thing that you can do, anybody can do, um, but as a project manager or you know a product owner in your case, um, is just appreciate people. Just tell them how much they are appreciated, how much you appreciate the work that they did. People are disengaged at work. Right, a recent Gallup poll said that I think it was Gallup um, said 70% of workers are disengaged at work. They don't, they're not giving their best, and they don't, they won't give their best because most of the, most of the time, because they don't feel appreciated. People from the bottom to the top, right, all the way up to CEOs. The, the main reason that CEOs leave their their business is they didn't feel appreciated. Right, the biggest reason people leave their jobs is they don't feel appreciated. And it's so easy, so easy for, for us to just say, hey, nice job. No idea what that means, right? This person could be struggling with Lord only knows what at home, right? Their life's a wreck. They don't, they're not being appreciated by anyone at home. But when you walk by and say, hey, good job on that, brightens their day, makes their makes their week, right? Here's a great trick. And I'm going to share this on, on Monday, so don't don't spoil it for me. <laughs> okay. Everybody's out here watching this. Plug your ears and come to the come to the Congress. <laughs> it, it's it's called um what is it? The technique's called finding wins. 
Um, so if, if you were on my project and, and I was the, anybody, I don't care who you are, I'm on the project, I would come to you, hey, um, what's something that a couple people on the project, you know, two, two or so people on this project have done that you really appreciate? And you can come up with probably a couple of different things, right? So you, right, yeah. you can think of two people and things that you appreciate that they did. Okay, cool, thanks. So now I go to person number one and I say, hey, you know what? I was just talking with Mark and he said you did such a great job on the film-in report. That was just really cool. So I just wanted to share that with you. He, was, he said you did a great job on that. By the way, are there any things that you can think of, a couple people, that, that things that you appreciate that they've done on the project so far? So now you get two more over here. Then you go to person number two and you get two more. And very quickly, you've got the whole team with appreciations that you're able to share around with them. And it's not contrived exactly. and authentic, very authentic. Yeah, and it doesn't take you having to go, okay, I've got to appreciate everybody. I'm going to sit around. I'm going to take an hour and come up with a list of things, right? It, it, it's very organic uh, and, and honest. And it, it not only builds, it, it does a triangle, right? It not only builds the relationship between the two of us, but it builds the relationship between me and that other person and you and that other person. So now we've built this triangle of trust that then just grows in the organization. Okay, so now you, when, when you talk about trust, <clears throat> that is one of the concepts also of agility, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and that is, is as your team is working together, they begin to trust each other. Oh, time. yeah, time out, okay. Four things. Which one of those four things is it? I'm sure. I'm sorry. I'm not not quite. Which one of the, is it? You said it's one of the concepts of of agile. Is it a concept of nimble? Is it a concept of the agile movement? Is it a concept of agility enabling practice, or is it a concept of 21st century management practice? 21st century management practice. Exactly, and that means it doesn't just apply to agile. It applies everywhere. Perfect. Perfect, and that's that's where I was going is that that the trust that you build within the team through teamwork, through um, uh, accountability with each other, yep. it doesn't matter what type of project you're running. Nope. It's, you use that concept whether it's on an agile project or a traditional project. Exactly. Perfect. See how, how that getting clear about what you're saying helps you go, oh, that means it applies everywhere. If it's anything that falls under that 21st century management practices, that means I could be doing this if I'm managing a grocery store or uh, you know, building a 747 or managing a software team. Perfect. And, and now I'm liking where we're going with this because as you're pointing these things out, the barriers or, of, of that competition between uh, agile is better than traditional, they start to fall, fall down. Exactly. Uh, it's just like the Berlin Wall. It's starting to come down, in, at least in my mind. Uh, right. that, that Those things are coming down, and, and there's not that much difference between them. It's just applying those in a different right. way. Right. And, and so here's, here's a, a piece to throw in there, too, about the, well, I love the, I love the agilists that are like, you know, traditional project management is just going to go away in the blinding light of, Agile enlightenment or something, you know. <laughs> somehow, not, not happening. Somehow, it's just going to all disappear because agile is so perfect for everything. Um, Amy Edmondson wrote this great book 
that I'm going to grab. Uh-huh. <laughs> and now, now we're waiting for him to be back. All right, Joseph's back. Right here. Um, called Teaming, Amy Edmondson. Okay. Um, great, great book. In there, she talks about the process knowledge spectrum. And on the one side of it, look at that, I was able to turn right to it. There it is. Can you see it? On the one side of the process knowledge spectrum, you have um, routine operations, right? And on the other side of it, you have innovative operations. So if you, if you use that model and think really, really quickly, you can see how routine operations makes sense. That's sequential. That, that could be a, a, a traditional approach there. Innovative operations? Yeah, pretty much have to be taking a nimble approach to that because if I'm doing anything innovative, that means I'm trying something, failing, adjusting, trying something, failing, adjusting, trying something, failing, adjusting, right? If I'm doing something that's routine, that means I know the processes that it takes, it's a process knowledge, right? I know the processes that it takes to make this happen. Building a building. I did a lot of construction projects. Those guys and gals know what they're doing. They know how long it takes to put in one of these walls, right? They can tell you how long it's going to take to tape the, the path between the, the sheetrock and how long it's going to take to spray the texture and, you know, paint the wall pretty accurately. There's very nothing in repeatable. It, very repeatable. There's nothing innovative about putting up this wall, right? There may be some things innovative about doing the entire structure, but on these parts of it, there's not. And so waterfall, sequential, innovative knowledge work, most knowledge work is innovation, right? Most of it, not all of it, but, but most of it is doing something unique, and that lends itself more towards the side of being nimble. So there's Great. your spectrum of how, how do you figure out, everybody always asks that, well, how do you decide? That's how you decide. That's, you, that's, that's great. I like, I like uh, taking a look at it that way. Uh, because really, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Cool. Exciting stuff. Okay. Are there? Um, you can't tell that I'm excited about these things. Or <laughs> there's there's a reason why you wrote the book, right? Okay. So uh, I want to go back to a couple more things. Are are there other things as you were as you were putting the, the book together and as you're doing your your research? Are there other things that you've noticed that are difficult when you're trying to marry the two together uh, that you've been able to help crack the code on? Um, I've been able to help crack the code. You know, th there's a ton of, of really hard things that people deal with. Um, I think this book was intended to be more of what we've been talking about, of a discussion of, hey, here's these, these concepts of what we really mean by agile, and a lot of it is stuff that anybody can do, right? So you can be agile in your waterfall world. You don't have to suddenly start doing Scrum in order to do a lot of the things that are happening in the agile world. Um, but one of the things that people do struggle a lot with um, is... The idea that, um, and I've been talking about it for years, but it's in the book now, so now let me get out there more. Um, 
when we do projects specifically within an enterprise organization, uh, typically you're talking about an organization that is on an annual budget cycle, that is, uh, that is functionally broken down, right, in functional silos where you've got a finance department and a admin group and IT group and marketing sales groups and then some product that they sell, right? Right. Agile was a really struggles with people trying to be agile within that context really struggle because of this idea that they hear when they go to Scrum Master Training or when they go to a Kanban class or when they when they first hear about it and that is in in Agile we are always able to deliver right so I have a, a sprint and I get potentially shippable product at the end of that iteration sprint iteration same word <laughs> at the end of that iteration, um, I have potentially shippable product, and then again, and then again, and then again, and then again, and then I have a date where I'm supposed to be launching by, and I release on that date, and I don't miss anything, right? Because I'm always able to release, which is true. However, you live within that. That is that is beautiful. If you then have release two where anything that didn't get done in release one is able to make it into release two, right? So you just do release two and you work on it again and again and again. And you, when, when the date comes, you release and you go work on release three, right? This is a product. Ever growing. Um, not necessarily growing, but ever able to release. You know, yep. here's the deal. In a product context, your job as a product owner is to come up with new ideas for the product, right. right? To be innovative. If you are not coming up with new ideas and saying, "Hey, let's do this new thing," you should be fired. Sorry. <laughs> I hope not. Right, but I mean, but I mean, that's that's the job is to be right exactly new ideas. Yeah, I... But but now we take that person and all this idea that we've trained these people to do Scrum, and we've we've said these are the great things you can do. You get this. Now you come into this project-oriented organization on an annual budget cycle with a fixed budget, and we're going to do an upgrade to the accounting system, right? So now we've got an upgrade to the accounting system, and you are the product owner for the accounting system, and are you going to get a budget for this accounting system upgrade next year for release two? Maybe and maybe not, but probably not. No, I last one I did was five years ago, so maybe I won't get it for another five years. That's so, right. what has this system incentivized you to do? Making sure that I understand what the requirements are, and you know, work through those kinds of issues before the team starts working on it. The other thing it's incentivized you to do is to jam everything you can into that. Oh, yes, you you're right. Another one. <laughs> right? And so you're trying to push everything you can into it. The Agile teams are going, wait, wait, we, we aren't going to work on things unless, you know, we, we know we can get them done, and, and we're not going to push things. We'll push things out into the next release, and you're going, there is no next release. If you don't have it on the date we go live, I'm not getting it, and I'm angry about that now. Right, and I've got to I've got to go and talk to people and saying, "Hey, you're not going to get everything, and that's right. not going to go well." That is not going to go well. And and do I have an answer for you for that? No, I'm sorry, I don't. What I what I can say is, 
when you are in an agile context, using agility enabling practices, right, like Scrum, and you are delivering in small increments of, of product, and you really, you actually have way better metrics than we had in, in our traditional approaches because I actually know where I'm at, right? And so you're able to have clearer conversations when you get to the point and there's too many things to put into this release. You're able to have very clear conversations about you know, trade-off and, and negotiations. And if you are actually delivering in priority order, right, with the high level, high important things first and lower important things later, then those discussions actually should be pretty easy. Not easy, but should be easier. Um, th there is no easy answer for that, but being aware of it is huge because so many people just sit there and pound their head against the wall because they're trying to be nimble and adaptive and do all the things that the product owner wants them to do, and yet there's this deadline that's just crashing down on them. You, you know, I want to make the, um, going back again towards the traditional, that exact example that we that you just had, uh, the approaches are a little bit different, but the outcomes are, are a little bit, are pretty much the same. What I mean by that is if I have that same project and I'm doing it with the traditional project management methods, then I'm defining it up front. But when I get three quarters of the way through it, I might find out, oh, man, this is harder than we thought. And what do you do? What do you do in that situation? I'm not going to make that that deadline. What is it we do in project management? We, we have to say, all right, there, there's a change control that happens. Yep. We have to either change the date or you have to pull scope out. And yep. that's not that much different than what we do in Agile. Oh, no, it's exactly what we do in Agile. We just, ha we just have to have those trade-off conversations much more frequently. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, again, removing some of that, that, those roadblocks from, from between the two different uh, methodologies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great conversation. I love that. Yeah. Passionate. Well, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying I'm passionate about the stuff. It's very it's, it's exciting, and, and I'm, I'm excited to have the book out there and have uh, people starting to read it and see it. It, it, it. I could write three books, four books on, on this topic. You know, this, this one covers really foundational, what do we mean when we say agile, things like this agility horizons, and helping people really understand those elements of being agile outside of any kind of specific frameworks and things like that. It talks about the hard stuff that it really takes to become agile, right? It's not, hey, we're going to stop some easy framework and suddenly we're going to be agile. No, there's, there's a lot of hard work. There's, you know, culture change and organizational change that has to happen. Uh, and here's some things I would do. But, but there's another book I could write very easily that is, okay, what do you do when you have a waterfall project, a sequential project, and you have this group of agile people that are plugging into it? And what are all of the problems that they could run into? And all? Uh, some of those you'll find in the book. Some of them you won't find in the book. There's just well, so many things to cover. When you get to that book, let me know. I, <laughs> I, that's what I'm experiencing every day in my job. Well, let's let's uh, you know go out and, and have coffee or take one of the breaks together, and we'll uh, take some notes. And I'd love to write that book, right? Because that you know, 
how do you how do you integrate traditional and agile project um, reporting within a PMO? Not yeah. easy. No, and and I think that is what we're going to see more and more of. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and and actually, um, with some recent work I, I've been reading and, and uh, learning about, uh, actually becomes very easy to do. Right, uh, people are starting to look at get this Monte Carlo analysis on agile projects. <laughs> oh, awesome. that, that is cool. Yeah, we'll have, yeah, we definitely need to talk about that. We'll have another session to talk about that because it's really cool. Actually, I'm proposing a topic for the EMEA. Um, Congress with one of the thought leaders in this that we're going to co-present on using uh, Monte Carlo analysis in agile projects. Interesting. So Interesting. Hopefully I'll, hopefully I'll be in London in uh, a few months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joseph, we're, uh, we're getting close to the end of our time. Uh, any last recommendations and then tell us where we can get the book. Uh, last recommendations. I think my last recommendation would be to buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Um, you can get it on Amazon. Um, it is. It's available now. It actually became available last week. So uh, go out and get it. It's uh, if you're at the Global Congress, they have copies of it at the Congress Bookstore and at the Lim Bookstore. They'll have it there too. So um, I'm I'm excited. Uh, can't wait to. To hear people's feedback on it, and you know, if you get the book, you know, email me and 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 tell me your thoughts about it and how it's helped or what you'd like to see in the next one, or as I, I definitely am, am planning on doing another one. It's kind of addictive. <laughs> <laughs> well, great! Congratulations, first of all. I I know that the first time we talked, um, you were just you were actually in the midst of that, and and uh, you were. Still kind of cooking on it, and I think you're still gelling your ideas on it. So yeah. congratulations for getting that done. It's too bad you probably didn't see. You're looking a little pale because you didn't see any sun <laughs> during the summertime. It, it, yeah, it was a long, long, hard summer, that's for sure. <laughs> but congratulations. That's that's a huge feat, and I'm, I'm, I'm so pleased to, that you were able to do that, and I'm looking forward to the read. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having right. me on the show. You're welcome. Last thing is, is uh, since since you said, suggested that we can send you some information or any comments on it, how do we get a hold of you? Yeah, um, Joseph at whitewaterprojects.com. And that's Whitewater Pro Joseph at whitewaterprojects.com. Uh, just email me there. You can go to whitewaterprojects.com and sign up on my mailing list to get updates and um, find out. Actually, I do a. I'm doing a class in December based on the book um, called "Being Agile in a Waterfall World." It's an online class, seven hours, and uh, you can you can find a link to that on the website. You said it's an online class. It's an online class. Yeah, yeah. I've done it live a couple times, and I'm doing it. I'm doing it live at some places um, still, but I'm doing this online version of it. I've, I've done it once before online, and it was pretty successful. So we're Made some tweaks to it and uh, doing it again. So it's it'll be two days for um, two and a half hours each each day and seven PDUs. There you go. Very good. Well, Joseph, thanks so much for for being on the show and uh, I wish you the best luck on your next three books. Right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank All you. All right. 
everybody, thank you very much for uh, for watching and, and listening, and uh, we'll get back to you later on. Have a great uh, day. There you have it. I hope you have learned about Agile a little bit more and the realities of mixing it in with traditional project management. Now, I've created some uh, detailed show notes at sensiblepm.com slash 20. Go to that. You'll find a link there as well to Joseph's book so that you can, if you're interested, you can go purchase that. Now, that will be an affiliate link. So if you do order that book through that link, thank you very much because I do get a little bit of a kickback. I, I might be able to, I don't know, buy myself a candy bar or something like that. But thank you very much. I hope uh, this has been very helpful. And one other thing I'd like to ask you is if you would share your thoughts about what you think about this episode. Go to the show notes. Again, that's on sensiblepm.com slash 20. Share your experience with Agile and how Agile is implemented in the organization that you work in. Are you seeing the same type of situation where Agile is mixed in with Waterfall? Or are you in the situation where Agile is implemented in its entirety throughout the whole organization? Well, I hope this was very helpful again. Until next week, remember the Sensible Project Manager always looks for a practical way to lead a project to success. You've been listening to the Sensible Project Manager, Mark Philippi, on the Sensible Project Manager podcast. To learn more about practical project management, visit us at sensiblepm.com.